0: what is up divers welcome in to the deep dive fantasy football podcast where i take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles i'm your host brandon gabor and before we get started remember you can follow me on twitter at deep ff instagram at deep dive fantasy football and as always check out the website deep which is always popping during the off season with that being said let's get to the content What's up, Divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are going over the Chicago Bears, usually a team I dread. I usually dread projecting the Chicago Bears, but now they've got Justin Fields, they've got my boy Daz Newsome, and they've got some other names in there that are definitely worth watching out for in fantasy drafts. So I was actually very excited to get to the Bears. And just before we start, if you guys are wondering... Is there a method to the madness of the order I'm projecting in? Because usually in the past and those that have been with me for multiple years, you guys know I usually project by division. So I'll go one team at a time in the division and move to the next. And I'll usually do the NFC first, starting with the Bucks division. So obviously the NFC South. But this year, I wanted to do something a little bit different, because, especially because I'm starting early, starting now where we're at there's still a lot of things that can happen. Julio could still get traded. Aaron Rodgers might end up on a different team. We don't know if Deshaun Watson is going to hold out or not. There's a bunch of things like that up in the air. So I'm choosing to project teams that have two components right now. One, the first component is they have something that changed, like some big change for the Bears, since that's who we're going over today. They added Justin Fields. Obviously, that's a big change. So one thing is a big change for the Bengals. It was Jamar Chase. For the Ravens, it was the addition of all the receivers, and then they're probably not going to change anymore throughout the offseason. That's the second component. So they have a big change, and then they're not going to add a Julio Jones or get a new quarterback or something like that. So that's why I'm going to be holding off on the Packers and the Falcons because they'll lose Julio, supposed to lose Julio, etc. So I'm kind of just going doing whatever I whatever team I feel that meets those two criteria. With that said, we're going to start with the Bears. We got to look at the personnel changes first, as always, right? Let's look at the defense. They lost cornerback Kyle Fuller, who signed within five minutes of hitting free agency with the Denver Broncos. They probably had some talks before he was released, but Kyle Fuller, that was a big loss in their defense. But other than that, their defense is, is pretty much the same. They kept it status quo then they traded up for Justin Fields and traded up for offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins I love both of these moves I was surprised that Fields was available where they got him and I was surprised that Tevin Jenkins was available when they got him so those were both great trade ups for them and I think it's really going to help their team and their future going forward and it might it might be the saving grace for Nagy and the GM they also snagged Daz Newsome late in the sixth round. I love Daz Newsome. You guys will hear about it a little bit later. And he's getting some good reports good reports from Camp that he's taking that Anthony Miller role or the role that was supposed to be Anthony Miller's. Tariq Cohen is also going to be back healthy. And if we look at their history, right? They averaged 991 plays over the past two years. They had a thousand, or they would have a thousand and fifty two plays in 17 games. So now There wasn't many changes, right? We already just went over some of the top additions, and then they lost Kyle Fuller. That's pretty much it. Tariq Cohen coming back. So now getting into some history, they would be on pace for 1,052 plays. That's a lot higher than I would have expected for this team. And another surprise to me. See, this is a good thing with doing projections. Another surprise. I did not realize how much the Bears actually threw the ball. You know, when you first look at it, David Montgomery's getting a bunch of carries, and they have a really good defense, and they don't put many points on the board. So you're probably thinking they run the ball a lot. They really didn't. 60% of their plays were passes, almost exactly 60-40 split in favor of the pass. The quarterback, and this is important because we have a quarterback change and a change in style of play. With the quarterbacks because they had nick Foles, who doesn't really run and now just fields is going to be running all over the place so the quarterback was usually responsible for 39 plays a game so that's including their rushes and their pass attempts together usually accounted to about 39 plays a game so let's look at some of the trends i project they upgraded at quarterback obviously fields is an upgrade at quarterback and i think that'll be evident right away Their offense should be on the field more because of this, so you may actually see a play, a total play bump. So instead of projecting 1052, 1052, which is what they were on pace for in a 17-game season over the last two years, I'm going to bump it up a tiny bit to 1067. It's about half a play more per game, not anything crazy. They're probably going to actually run a bit more, though, and you may say, well, how are they going to see an increase in plays and run more, Brandon? And if their offense is better, you know, they are you get what I'm saying. So they're probably going to run a bit more. I was was trying to drag that analogy out way too much. They're probably going to run a bit more. And why? It's because of Justin Fields. And because they're probably going to be in games more, right? Just because they have a better offense and a better quarterback and better wide receivers now that they added Daz Newsome does not mean that they're going to pass more. They were already passing a lot. It means that their pass efficiency may be better, but they're probably going to actually run the ball more because they're not going to be playing in games from behind as much. So they're going to have the luxury of being able to run the ball. They're not going to game script that part of their offense out late in games in the fourth quarter. Plus, Justin Fields himself is going to take some of those passes and turn them into runs. Instead of some of those checkdowns, he's going to run it instead. Mitchell Trubisky ran about three times a game. And if that's the case, Justin Fields running for six a game is a very, very safe projection. Fields is by far the better athlete compared to Mitchell Trubisky. And he also likes he also likes to run and utilizes that part both in college and I expect him to do so in the NFL more than Mitchell Trubisky did. So let's talk about Justin Fields. I'm not going to do the Dalton, Andy Dalton starter nonsense. All right, we're going to project as if Dar- Dalton is not going to start any games. I'm projecting as if Justin Fields is starting from week one. And guess what? If Justin Fields is not starting by week one, it doesn't really matter. Why? Because everything that I do and what I have in the Google Sheets and how I do my rankings and all of that stuff, it's by points per game. So even if Dalton starts the first three weeks, which is probably going to be like the maximum, the first three, four weeks, Justin Fields will be in soon enough. And there'll be plenty of time, especially with an extra week in most people's fantasy regular seasons now, there will be plenty of time for my projections for him and for everyone else to catch up and be well worth where I'm ranking them. All right, so Justin Fields is the starter for 17 games. That's how I'm ranking it. Make it simple. And also, after preseason, that could be the case. I expect that to be the case because Fields is by far much better than Andy Dalton. So let's get into it. If Justin Fields does run those six times per game, we're going to start with the rushing, like I projected earlier, then that's 102 carries on a 17-game season. 102 carries. That's really good. Lamar Jackson, for reference, had 159 carries, I believe, last year. So he's like 67% of Lamar Jackson, if you look at it that way, in terms of rushing, which is, I mean, since Lamar does it, you can't say that would be elite because only Lamar is elite in rushing but he is the next tier Fields would be the next tier with Kyler so I have him for about 102 carries Kyler and Lamar they both average six yards per carry I wanted to see okay with running quarterbacks it's kind of tricky so let me look at the quarterbacks that run the most often and see what their averages were well both Kyler and Lamar sat pretty at exactly six so I feel comfortable applying that here to Justin Fields and if you give him six yards per carry He would be just over 600 rushing yards. So I said, let me knock it down a little bit. It's rookie season. Maybe he doesn't figure out the nuances of running. I don't really think there are, but let's knock it down a little bit. Be humble, right? So I put it to 5.7 instead of 6. So I have him at 581 rushing yards. That's important to remember going forward. This rushing ability is an absolute X factor in fantasy. It's going to make him a plug and play quarterback every single week once he does take over that starting role, which hopefully is week one. He's basically Jalen Hurts with better passing skills, because Jalen Hurts was very functional in fantasy. Why? Well, he was throwing a good amount, and he's also running the ball. Well, he wasn't throwing accurately or efficiently, and we'll get into the Eagles soon enough, so I'm going to do a deeper dive and see, do I really think that Jalen Hurts can be a very good passer, but just by the stats, you know, and it may be because of situation. Like I said, I haven't dove into it, but by the stats, Jalen Hurts was not a very good passer last year, but we'll see what I think on him on the next episode or two, but the increased rushing for Justin Fields, it's going to change his passing volume, right? Because I said the quarterbacks were accounted for about 39 plays a game. Well, if I have Justin Fields running three times more than Trubisky, then he's probably going to be throwing three times less. He's turning some of those checkdowns into runs, which we've talked about in the past. I fully expect him to be more efficient off the rip in terms of the passing game, then Trash Bisky and Nick, I'm only good as a backup, False. So despite the fact that he should be much better, I'm still going to project him, still going to project him to be worse as a passer. Why? Just because he's a rookie, and I don't want to look outlandish. But I really do believe that what I'm projecting, and keep this in mind, what I'm projecting for his passing numbers, he can outperform easily. I wouldn't be surprised. So I think I'm on a little bit on the conservative side with these passing numbers. When you see it and hear the totals, remember, 17-game season. Nick Foles, what were his stats? What were Trubisky's stats? And what are my efficiency stats projected for Justin Fields? All right, Nick Foles had 64.7% completion rate. Trubisky had a 67% completion rate. So Fields, what am I putting at? 64, that's less than Foles and Trubisky. So I have his completion rate lower than both of them. What was the touchdown rates? Nick Foles was 3.2, that's really bad. And Mitch Trubisky was at 5.4, just above NFL average. Justin Fields, I'm going to put at 4.1, below NFL average, better than Foles, and worse than Trubisky. That's easily attainable. Now this is where I do give him the bump, and it's because of the arm that Fields has and the ability to open up the field with his rushing skills. Foles had 9.2. This is so atrocious. 9.2 yards per completion. Trubisky had 10.3 yards per completion. The NFL average is usually about like 11.4, 11.5. So I'm bumping fields up to 11.1. I have him being far better than Foles and Trubisky in this category, but with a lower completion percentage and a lower touchdown rate, it makes perfect sense. Uh, He's going to push the ball downfield more. Plus he has a new offensive tackle to help. So the situation is better in that way. And He's got Tariq coming back healthy, and Daz Newsome, who I think will be a fine addition to the receiving core. So I have him at 34 passes per game, and that's going to be 578 passes for Fields. So I'm not going to give you the full-out yards, touchdowns, all that stuff. I'm going to save that to the end, but that's my thought process behind Justin Fields. Nothing crazy, right? I'm accounting for his rushing ability. It should help his efficiency. I'm accounting for the situational change with offensive tackles having Jenkins and Daz Newsome. And the fact I'm just looking at history, what are the other running quarterbacks putting up in their rushing stats and stuff like that. So nothing outlandish. Now let's move into the wide receivers. We've got three that I'm projecting. So a lot of times a guy like Daz Newsom would be in the other category, but because I really believe in this guy, I said, let me project him out specifically as well. So we'll start with Allen Robinson. The last two seasons, he's had a 25% target share. I expect similar. Why? Well, let's talk about the Justin Fields progression narrative. Everyone wanted to say over the offseason, Justin Fields doesn't go through his progressions. Justin Fields does not move off of his first projection. He sits on his first projection way too long. Well, let me ask you this. How successful in college was Justin Fields? Extremely successful. And was he looking at his first read longer than what somebody may want? Yeah, he was. But guess what? It led to success. And you know why? because that number one read was Chris Olave. And Chris Olave was heralded as a first round receiver if he came out this year in a loaded wide receiver class. So if you're going and looking at next year, he's probably definitely a lock for first round, unless he gets injured or something. And that's who Justin Fields was locked on to, for an extra second. Well, Chris Olave was always open. He always got open, and it worked out well. So yeah, it might have been a habit that you may be worried about. I'm not, because when Chris Olave was covered up, you see him move to his other progressions. But, you know, that's what Allen Robinson is looking forward to. He's looking forward, I almost went on a a rant about the scouting of Justin Fields, which I'm not trying to do here. That's what Allen Robinson is looking forward to forward to because he's going to be the number one target and he's very very good just like Chris Olave so it's possible Justin Fields says hey it worked back then why is it not going to work now I could give Allen Robinson an extra half second of attention on every play because he's that good he'll get open if I just give him enough time so with that said Allen Robinson stands to still get a huge target share as before so with Allen Robinson getting mad targets again, he's probably going to get near his 150 target mark over the last two seasons. Both of the season that just passed, he had at least 150 targets. Now, I'm not going to have him exactly 150. We'll see if I have him slightly above or slightly below. You got to remember some certain key factors here that we've talked about. Hint, volume. But Al Robinson has been a stud, and he should be pretty close there, especially with the 17th game, pretty close to about 150. 150. But the decreased pass attempts, that's the volume, the decreased pass attempts in this offense with Justin Fields instead of, because he's going to run a couple more, instead of Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles, it's going to cause some targets to be lost to Allen Robinson. I don't take away volume, or I don't take away target share, I'm just taking away volume. The target share still remains the same. Also, his efficiency should go up because he has an accurate quarterback, so that's good. He's not really going to take a hit. You'll see at the end, I'm not low on Allen Robinson by any means. I think he's a great value, as he always is in drafts. Now, let's talk about Darnell Mooney. This is where you could really start to heat things up. Some people are going to really like this. Some people are not. Darnell Mooney seems to be somebody that people are split on. He had a 16% target share as the bona fide number two wide receiver last year. I truly believe that Daz Newsom is good enough to take a little bit of this away. A little bit. And Tariq Cohen coming back, maybe the running back group as a whole gets a little bit higher of a target share as well. This is probably going to push Mooney to be used deep more often. And that's great because Justin Fields has a beautiful deep ball. Cole Komet becoming relevant, maybe, possibly. We'll see what I think about him. But if Cole Komet does become relevant, this could also prevent Darnell Mooney from becoming a big target guy. Now for dynasty purposes, Allen Robinson could be gone soon. Darnell Mooney could be great, right? He could get a 20% target share after this year if Allen Robinson leaves. And Newsom could be great too, and maybe Komet will be awesome. But with how it stands right now for this year, which obviously I'm only projecting stats for this year, it wouldn't make sense to go past that. Darnell Mooney's not going to be somebody I'm super, super excited about I think he's going to have some really nice games. He's going to connect on some great deep shots with Fields because, like I said, Fields has a beautiful deep ball. But his target share is probably going to go down a little bit. Now let's talk about Daz Newsom. Daz Newsom is somebody who was my wide receiver 11, I believe, in this rookie wide receiver class. And I was super excited to see where he went. I was very surprised that he lasted till the sixth round. I thought he was going to be a fourth round receiver. Instead, he slips to the sixth and the Bears get another steal in the draft, their third after Tevin Jenkins and Justin Fields. Right now, it's a crowded wide receiver room and it's causing Daz Newsome to be borderline undrafted in rookie drafts. He's going either in the back of the fourth round or he's not getting drafted at all. And I'm telling you right now, Daz Newsome needs to be on your team if that's the case. Because after he carves out a role, not if, after, after he carves out a role, that's going to change quickly. Next year, like I said, Allen Robinson may be gone. Tariq Cohen may be gone. That's 250 targets missing, almost. Daz Newsome is a must-grab, must-grab at his current price. And yes, it was my wide receiver 11. Looking into my wide receiver rankings as I'm talking right now, he was my wide receiver 11 in the loaded rookie class. Great career landing spot with a young, franchise-changing quarterback in Justin Fields. I love Daz Newsom. And also just real quick he was at north carolina with diami brown who everybody loves with javonta williams who everybody loves with michael carter who a lot of people love well imagine if he was somewhere that didn't have that many weapons i bet you his stats would have been astounding much better and he would have went way higher in the draft but when he's in a crowded college offense and they're not you know a power a power team like just some giant in college like in Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State some or Oklahoma even if it's not one of those schools then you know and they're not on the big stage very often because North Carolina is not it's going to be hard for him to get a lot of attention and to be drafted very highly so that is why I think Daz newsom is such a steal right now now let's talk about Tariq Cohen in 2019 he had an 18% target share his target share was, however, lower with David Montgomery taking three a game last year before Tariq Cohen got injured. So I almost I almost made a huge, not huge, but I almost made a small mistake. And somebody actually on Twitter caught me on it, and I'm glad they did. So if you guys ever see something, you know, you think I'm missing out on something, let me know because I'm always willing to go back and change. So I had Tariq Cohen projected for a little bit more targets than I probably should have because I was looking a lot at that 2019 target share and the target shares he's had previous, but I didn't pay too much attention to the three, four game sample of him in the most recent season with David Montgomery. And David Montgomery is actually pretty good receiver, which I knew this, but they finally realized it and they were throwing him the ball more. So when David Montgomery started taking three a game, Tariq Cohen's target share actually dropped and his total targets obviously dropped along with it. So, keeping that in mind, Tariq Owen's not going to be as good as I initially thought. He's also dealing with more weapons in the offense, with Cole Komet possibly developing. That's not something he ever had to deal with before. And the same thing with Daz Newsome. Justin Fields' running will also create less checkdowns in the offense for running backs, because quarterbacks that run don't throw as much to, to running backs. That's just how it goes, historically, statistically. But I do expect them, them to still check down the ball to the running backs, just not as much. Finally... Tariq Cohen never gets a big workload on the ground, so it's going to be tough for him to produce for non-PPR leagues. If he's in a PPR league, you know, you could take him as your running back four, and he is forgotten a lot, so keep an eye out on him for, or keep an eye out in drafts for him, but Tariq Cohen, not as exciting. I thought he was going to be a good zero running back target, but when I do my projections, and I was also, like I said, adjusted by somebody. On Twitter, good call, man. I don't remember your name, otherwise I'd give you a shout out. But um, yeah, you can learn things. You know, you can you learn things always when you do projections like this, whether it's with the help of someone or just doing the research. If you sit down and do research, you'd be, be surprised. There's a lot of things that people don't realize in football. Now let's talk about David Montgomery. He's finally got a quarterback that can run. He's got a new tackle that should have boost that should boost the efficiency. And unfortunately. He does lose some of his receiving work because Tariq Cohen is back. So, yeah, he was getting three a game when Tariq Cohen was healthy, but it went to like five a game when Tariq Cohen was out. Obviously, it's not gonna stay that high. It's gonna go back down. He should be a solid running back, too. Don't expect anything crazy. I see a lot of people saying David Montgomery is a top 12 running back. That's not gonna be <laughs> that's not gonna work out. I'm telling you, that's not gonna work out for you. Unless he gets like 18 touchdowns, which that means Justin Fields is having a rookie of the year type of year and like <laughs> borderline MVP because Chicago is not going to take that big of a step forward, especially because I'm not sure how much I believe in Matt Nagy anymore. But David Montgomery's not going to be a top 12. He can be a solid RB2. And a lot of people are going to say, Brandon, what about his top five numbers at the end of last year? He had a big stint of games where he was a top five running back. If you remember, I expected that. I actually called David Montgomery in like week. Whatever the, the the first week is, or the last week, before the trade deadline's close for most standard leagues, I think it's like, what, week 9? Week 9 or 10? I called David Montgomery as a buy-low. I said, guys, his schedule coming up is amazing. Amazing. And with Tariq out, and he's starting to get receiving work more than usual, he's going to be ARB1 the rest of the season. And turned out to be true. I actually said the same thing about Allen Robinson. Both of them were huge buys for me because of the schedule. And guess what? It worked out. And David Montgomery was a top five running back moving forward. It was awesome. But you cannot continue that pace. You cannot just take that pace and say, look, that's how good David Montgomery is. That's what we expect. No, it was because of the schedule and because of the lack of Tariq Cohen there. Both of those things changed. So you got to be able to change as well. You can't just take a, sometimes you know taking uh, sample sizes like that and projecting them out works but in this case I don't think it's going to work so don't rely on that pace Dave Montgomery will be a solid RB two, and that's probably it now let's talk about Cole Komet he was not very good last year I didn't pay much attention to him so I was actually somebody who when I saw people talking about him said oh you know he might be interesting but once I looked into it more he was really not good and I don't know what all the hype is for this guy does he have a couple highlights? Sure, but he's terribly inefficient. And yes, I know, rookie tight ends take a while. So is he worth stashing and holding? Yeah, but you could say that about a million tight ends. You could say that about Irv Smith, Mike asiki Like, there's just a whole bunch. Like, don't make me start. There's a whole bunch of guys that everyone sees potential in. Now, there's a couple that will have that potential and will, you know, make it worth stashing them, but I'm not sure if Cole Komet's going to be that guy. There's more tight ends that are sleepers that I like more than him. So with that said, and by the way, guys, I know I sound kind of all over the place. I'm kind of feeling funky, but I had to get this done for you guys. I had to get the content out there. That's why I keep like losing my train of thought, feeling kind of weird. But um, with that said, we'll get into the projections, the actual projections, Justin Fields. I have him at 578 attempts. I told you guys that earlier. With all of the efficiency metrics I told you, It brings him to 370 completions, 4,106 yards. Remember, 17-game season. So in a regular 16-game season, I would not be projecting Justin Fields to be breaking 4,000 yards, but that's not the case here because of the extra game. And then 24 passing touchdowns. I have him for 102 rushes, rush attempts, 581 yards, and five rushing touchdowns. So this is actually going to bring him to 20.4 points per game. That's higher than Joe Burrow. That's definitely obviously under Lamar Jackson, but 20.4 is usually about like my QB six between like QB six and eight in projections. So Justin Fields is actually going to be very, very high, very high for me. So if he does truly start right away, I'm telling you guys, he's going to be a value because he's not going to be drafted that high. He'll probably be like QB 17 off the board, and he will definitely outproduce that because of the rushing ability alone. Allen Robinson 145 targets, so just under the 150, because Justin Fields, 578 pass attempts, they were over 600 last year, so that's a big reason why, because like I said, the target share is untouched almost, 145 targets for Allen Robinson, 95 receptions, 1,230 receiving yards and 8 touchdowns, that puts him at 15.6 points per game, that's actually lower than Tyler Boyd, so now you guys are probably wondering, what, you would rather have Tyler Boyd, no, no. Tyler Boyd is projected higher than Allen Robinson via my stats, but that's not the only thing I take into account, right? You can't just go straight up off the numbers. There are other factors that play. What do I mean? For example, risk level. What are the chances that Allen Robinson gets less than four touchdowns? Extremely low. Extremely low. What are the chances Allen Robinson gets 12 touchdowns? Not too shabby. So what does that mean? That means Allen Robinson has low risk, also because he's the bona fide number one in his offense. Nobody's going to steal targets from him, and he's been pretty good injury-wise the past couple years in Chicago. So we're not worried about that either anymore. So his risk is low. His potential is very high because he can be a 160-target, 12-plus-touchdown dude. Now, Tyler Boyd, who I have projected over him, his floor or his ceiling is way lower why because is Tyler Boyd ever going to hit double digit touchdowns probably not so his ceiling is lower is he ever going to average 15 yards per reception probably not so his ceiling is lower also his floor could be considered lower he has a very very high floor very safe floor but we're comparing him to Allen Robinson right now who has the same Tyler Boyd It's possible he gets four touchdowns or three touchdowns. Allen Robinson's probably not getting less than six. So I was just setting four as like a worst of the worst when I was talking about him earlier, but he's probably a lock for six. Tyler Boyd, you can't say that for. So because I don't have them projected too crazy away from each other, I would be taking Allen Robinson above Tyler Boyd because he has more potential and less risk. Now, with that said, let's move to the other receivers. Darnell Mooney, have him at 90 targets. Used in a more deep threat type of role, still going to be doing the other stuff he was doing. I just think he's going to get that more often, which is going to bring up his yards per reception, lower his complete his catch rate completion rate for the quarterback. So I have him at 90 targets, 54 receptions, 624 yards, four touchdowns, for 8.3 points per game. Daz Newsom, I have at 6.5 points per game, just slowly starting to carve out a role as the season goes on as a rookie, 75 targets, 44 receptions, 484 yards, and three touchdowns. Then for Cole Komet, I have 75 targets, 44 receptions, 457 yards, and four touchdowns. And then we've got the running backs, right? We've got Tariq Cohen, we've got David Montgomery, and I told you guys I made a little bit of a switch. So, Tariq Cohen I previously had at about 90 targets. But realizing, because of the help of somebody on Twitter, realizing, wait a second, Brandon, you forgot to check that small little sample with David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen from this year before he got hurt. Well, I did so and realized, you know, Montgomery was getting used more and Tariq Cohen lost a little bit in the receiving game. So after making the adjustment from 90 targets, I have Tariq Cohen actually at 72 targets, 54 receptions, 406 receiving yards three receiving touchdowns, and then 300 yards on the ground, one rushing touchdown. So I have Tariq Cohen for 700 yards total and four touchdowns, 55 receptions. David Montgomery at 49 targets, 36 receptions, 287 receiving yards, zero touchdowns there, 273 carries. It's a big workload. 1,242 rushing yards, 11 touchdowns. So for a total for David Montgomery, almost, almost 100 yards per game. I have him at, let's see, quick maths, put him at 325, 1520 total yards. So 1,520 total yards and 11 touchdowns. That's pretty good. That's a solid RB2. And in the other category, I got about 618 yards to go around to everybody else because I did project guys like Daz Newsome two running backs. And Cole Komet, even though I don't think he's going to be that great, I still projected him out. So since I went a little deeper into the depth chart, that's why my other category category is going to be a little bit smaller but that's the uh chicago bears just right around that 30 minute mark again so it seems pretty consistent naturally that's just end up where i end up on these teams so thanks guys for tuning in sorry about the uh loosey goosey jumping around messing up on simple words like i said feeling kind of funky uh but nevertheless have a good memorial day everybody if you're off from work enjoy it And if you're not, well, keep working hard, brother. With that said, have a good one, guys. Peace.